I wonder where a guy in everyday Joe like myself can find a little action. Do I make you horny? Me love you long time. Me so horny. What is your major malfunction, nut nut? Give me some sugar, baby. Hello. Uh, I'm Gianmarco Cerezi. I'm a, I'm a formerly touring stand-up comedian, now Zoom <laughs> comedian, and you are listening to the Metal Hand of God podcast. Hey, if you don't make it out alive, we'll give you your money back. Guaranteed. Welcome back to the Metal Hit of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and today's co-host is the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, the guy, the dude, the, um, I don't fucking know, that guy. <laughs> Shit, what's my name again? Vernon, oh yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, Vernon's like fucking weirdo. <laughs> God damn. But we have an incredible guest, dude. About time he returns. It's been, it's From been the grave. It's been exactly. fucking forever, <laughs> Mr. Kurt Amaker. What's up, buddy? Hey guys, Good what's evening up to the gentlemen of the Metal Hand of God? Yeah, um, yeah, dun, dun, dun. yeah. It's been a while. I think the last time we talked was when I was working on the Cradle of Filth graphic novel that was yes. all the way back in uh, 2013. I think. Yeah, God, it's wow. so long ago. Dude, you, now. you know, you think about it, like, like how long that was, dude. Like. That's fucking nuts. Like I'm like, dude, it's like, oh, it's almost ten years. My mind, yeah, my mind always jumps back to that. That was just a couple of years ago, and then I remember that it was uh like about three and a half couple of years ago. <laughs> it was actually four couple of years ago at this point. I mean, dude, yeah, um, I mean, like you I, know, but that was that was an incredible experience. It was it was life changing. Yeah. Um, I worked for myself full time for a couple of years, and I realized it was awful. And then I got a job selling mausoleum crypts out in uh, out in Cajun country in Youngsville, Lafayette, and stuff. So uh, no joke. Um, so yeah, I mean, awesome. uh, it's, yeah. Now my uh, my life, my wife, and my whole extended family are uh, Tennessee Williams novel. You know, Tennessee Williams <laughs> play. It's just insanity. Uh, well, guys, if, if you don't know who Mr. Kurt Amaker is, he is a writer. He's just a fucking all around cool dude. Um, dude, you know, honestly, Kurt, I think the last time I saw you was when we were in that movie. Uh, which movie? Oh, God. The Jay and Silent Bob? No, no, the, um... Oh, Supercon. Supercon, yeah, 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 man. I think that was the last time I actually saw you, you know, like, out somewhere. It's been that fucking long, dude. It's crazy. Damn. I've been kind of hiding the past few years, honestly, like, when I was, um... DJ and putting on shows and on stage all the time. Um, I got honestly a little burned out on it. I got a little tired of just being kind of on and up all the time. And I kind of wanted to get some of my like quiet time and personal time back to just like read and hang out with the bride and kind of do my own thing, which is incredible because you know, there everybody, everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants to be on stage. Everybody wants to be a celebrity when you get there 
you realize that it's just all hustle all the time and it's exhausting. Right. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I was kind of like, I want to, you know, do what I'm doing now. I want to talk with you guys. I want to be able to sit in my chair and read a book and, you know, hang out with the cats and just do, (laughs) uh, do normal stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm still writing and still creating and everything, but I decided to just kind of turn the volume down on, on everything because it was just, it was taking a lot out of me and I was sleeping four or five hours a night and then just party to party to party to party, which sounds fun. If you're, like maybe 15 years old and don't know what the real world is like. Uh, but after a while you just start getting kind of antisocial and getting kind of turned off on being around people all the time. But um, I was actually in the Jay and silent Bob movie, although I didn't actually make the final cut. I am in the delete. That's with, actually uh, Derek. Yeah. Derek Vernon and the hologram of Chris Hemsworth yep. for himself. No shit. No <laughs> you can shit. see us blurrily behind. Behind him, um, and so yeah, yeah. look wow. for it. Um, I didn't, I didn't fucking see you. I don't remember seeing you at the set, dude. That's crazy. I was there. I was in the back corner, and uh, if you watch that scene, you can see a uh, a man wearing sunglasses indoors talking to uh, a guy, one guy in shorts, and uh, I think Vernon was wearing khakis and an untucked T-shirt, if I remember correctly. <laughs> no, so, actually, actually, for this, I, uh, I he was fancy, I dressed nicely. I yeah, was, he was, I was fancy. Like in, he had a tie and all kinds of black dress. Black dress pants, black um, short sleeve button down shirt, white belt and white tie. Kind yep. of a, um, oh wait, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Eighties right, throwback. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm. I think I am confusing it with the Supercon shoot because I think we were all dressed a little more casually for that. Oh yeah, oh no, yeah. Supercon, Supercon we yeah. looked like yeah, we were. we you know, I was wearing the same exact thing I wore in say Jay and Tyler Bob for for Supercon because we just wore our fucking uh, podcast t shirts. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, the for, so that's a funny Easter egg. If you watch both movies. We're in both, but we wear in the same exact fucking clothes. <laughs> yeah, it See, was actually I'm... the same con filmed twice. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Except the uh, the uh, Jay and Silent Bob would had a little more money behind it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, um, I, I didn't have a little bitty uh, a little banner. I had a gigantic eight foot fucking like uh, um, uh, billboard of one of our our drawings behind our head. Oh, you know? nice. It was crazy. I had a. I had Unfortunately, I didn't get it. Both times but they didn't get it didn't end up on camera although in supercon they have a scene where um somebody's being chased and a bunch of characters look up and they're all reading different books of mine like the my my vampire novel the tad call <laughs> nice. a couple of things. oh cool they all look up for a second while there's just uh, i don't know like a naked guy being chased or something ridiculous and then they all just look down and keep reading which is good to know that my uh, that my work is so compelling that whatever was going on was not nearly as interesting as the books they were holding. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking great. I tell you what, man, th- those were some fun shits. Those those shoots were fun because, like, yeah, especially SuperCon because we got to fucking basically do whatever we wanted. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like all of us. I mean, we really didn't. We had. We were like the fucking uh, what is it? They gave the keys to the to the asylum to the fucking inmates, basically. Oh, yeah. The inmates are running the asylum. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's basically what it was. Because like we were craft at, services. Yeah, right. Right. We, we fucking raped <laughs> yeah. that shit. Yeah, <laughs> eating with the Ted, crew. Ted Wally trying to lead a revolution to get all of us to just eat at the crew's craft services at yes. the main table. Yes. <laughs> I tell you what, dude. We we did it for like three days. We ate, yeah. and then and then one of the guys got shitty with us, and like uh, was saying something, and I got him fired. Oh, <laughs> did you? I did. I got him fired because because of what he told this woman that was in front of me, like she was, 
she didn't know. She had no idea she was supposed to be in that line, you know? And he yeah. was like, these you fucking idiots, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him and I said, dude, you ain't got to fucking talk to people like that. You better watch right. your mouth, bro. And I walked off and I went and told the director. <laughs> and five mm. five minutes later, he was jobless. Well, Zach oh, is... Uh, Zach, uh, Zach did not take any, any fucking shit from those people, man. He is a uh, he is in my experience with him online and in person. He's a good guy. He is. He's a really he's nice dude. Really relaxed, and he did that amazing John Milius documentary. Yes. You know, the original Conan and the Barbarian is still one of my favorite movies, and so mm. the fact that he took the time to make that to just kind of tell people what happened to to John Milius and how he got kind of drummed out of Hollywood, yeah, or at least what was the angle they were taking, I thought was incredible. Um, I will say though that. You know, I've been on a lot of movie sets. I was on the set for uh, for Dead of Night, and then the two we've already talked about. There's been a couple of others where I, I either dropped by or I was asked to be there, and then kind of it went nowhere. We did a kind of like a goth vampire documentary for one of those travel shows that That's cool. may have gotten used, but I never saw it. Um, and I can tell you that sets are always tense, and people in Hollywood are always kind of on edge. And I think the reason is just because of the union rules that yeah. everybody on there is, you know, guaranteed a certain amount of money. And if they go over time, it flips to time and a half. Oh, yeah. So if, if you right. have a, pro if you have a problem child on set or somebody doesn't want to come out of the trailer or any of those things, you are pretty much just burning a garbage can full of dollar bills <laughs> at that point. So, um, yeah, it's so I, I definitely saw that. And I a lot of times when I was, you know, when I was writing for Mania.com and Senate Escape a few years ago, and I interviewed um, a bunch of different talent. You know, some people are, you know, they're people just like anybody else. I, I know celebrities are people, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they're like, not. Like they need that level. Of, yeah, <laughs> like they need that level of compassion. But the um, you find some people are easier going than others. Oh, yeah. But a lot of times you just find that they're very high strung because they're exhausted. They're overworked. It's the fifth interview they've done that day. You know, I, I interviewed Bruce Campbell several years ago and nice guy. Like he didn't say anything mean or, or anything, but he was just, you could tell like he was just, let's get this over with. I wouldn't even say that he was, he, he went over the time we were supposed to do, but he was not, he was that Ash and he was not like the guy from burn notice or anything. He was just, you could tell he had done several interviews that day and he was like, all right, this is a thing I got to get through. You know, and I saw him at Comic-Con a few days ago, or a few days later, rather, and said, hi, hey, it's me. Totally cool. Answered a couple of emails here and there. But just it's it is an exhaust being in film, being in movies is exhausting, which is oh, one yeah. of the reasons why. If anybody ever wants to be a movie star, I'm like, you you better really want it. You better want it more than anything because it is not a fun job when you get down to it. No, no. And, and you know, like, and like I said, uh, we we had a good time because we didn't have we didn't have anything really to report to when we were doing those the, that those films. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, was, we just did what we normally do, do at conventions anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we did what we do, and that's it. And we I just think the only out. difference was that we weren't selling stuff, which right. is kind of like some of the shows anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and, and I agree, man. I completely agree. It was just like we were just kind of all hanging out. I mean, we're all next to each other. We're all yeah. in the same areas, you know, and it was just kind of like us doing us. Yeah. And 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 with the um, that's what the super the supercom with I find with the the Jay and Silent Bob movie we were all a little spread apart a little more right um it was me um me Lottie 
um, who else? Some other guy I've never met before. And, um, 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 shit. Who else was in that damn square? It was, we had a square of us, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Monty, Monty, Monty was the other oh, one on the other yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, dude, the three of us were fucking off the whole time because it was, that's what we do. And right. then, and then while they were fucking filming this movie, um, they had to pull the big, um, uh, when they were filming the part in the movie where uh, uh, Jay and um, um, uh, oh god, what's her name's um, Smith's daughter are Harley. are inter- Harley yeah, Smith, yeah are interacting and they're doing that that scene right there in the, on the strip. Um, well, they had a a fucking uh, giant crane for the shot with the camera on top of it and everything. Well, it was right in our booth. Like this crane went across <laughs> our booth. So sitting in my chair was Jason Mewes and his girlfriend and <laughs> right next to Caitlin. And then um, Kevin Smith was, was doing the filming, you know, right there. It was, it, right. you know, it was just, it was really cool. Cause it was, they were just kind of laid back guys just hanging out, you know? Yeah. You know, and that was, it was such an honor to me to even do that. I mean, I, I know I didn't end up in the film there minus the cut, but I got a chance to talk to, uh, to Kevin Smith for a little bit. And when I was a teenager, that uh, that movie, Clerks, the first one, along with, um, curiously enough, the ElfQuest comic that Wendy and Richard Penny did, it mm-hmm. was just kind of this this heads up to you know to a ki- literally a kid to go, oh, you can just do this stuff like you don't have to wait for anybody, you don't have to get hired on or be discovered, you just like go out and do it. Shit, I was yeah. like, "Wow, that's um, <laughs> that's insightful." Same thing with uh, Obar's Crow comic originally. You know, that was right. all him, art writing, lettering, everything, and it took him several years to complete. But ultimately, it was still just he's like, "Well, I want to do this book," and you know, all this bad stuff happened to me. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Clerks was just a revelation in that regard, and it, I carry that with me. I always remember that kind of that understanding that I gained when I started working in comics years and years later was just like, look, you either do it or you hope that you can either hire somebody else to do it or someone will, you know, God forbid, actually pay you to do it. But otherwise, <laughs> if you want it to happen, you just have to go out and right. do it yourself. You, you got to yeah. want, if you want it bad enough, you go get it. You know what I'm saying? That's For what sure. you need to do. Um, you know, you brought up Obar and it was really funny. Like the first time I met him, uh, I brought one of those uh, Funko Pops with me for the, for the crow, and I, yeah. went, I went up to him and I was like, dude, would you mind signing this for me? He goes, yeah, but I got to do something first. I was like, what? He took the, the pop, opened it, took the pop out, recolored the face, yeah. and made he, he actually made it to where it was his design in the comic, and he did it on the box as well, and he says, now it's mine. Then he signs the box. I was like... That was awesome, that's dude. Awesome. You know, like, dude, that that was a moment that I was just like, dude, that's so fucking cool. Like that, that's like rock star right there. <laughs> so, I, speaking speaking of which, um, I, I get I I meet your story and I offer another, sir. Uh, so years ago, after uh, Danzig played at the House of Blues, uh-huh. I had the uh, I was in college and I went to the signing after. And I brought the booklet for the Misfits box set, which is, I believe, is still in print. It's it's Beautiful. CDs. It's shaped like a coffin. Yeah, I do. I love that. I, yeah. I've always wanted to get that fucking box set. I never did buy it though. It's good. It's worth getting. And uh, you know, it was one of those things that was pretty transformational for me when I was a teenager. But so I brought it, and 
uh, Glenn is notorious for not wanting to sign it because he wasn't involved with it. He felt like uh, Carolyn and the the newly formed misfits with uh, Michael Graves just kind of did it without him and without his input. And so I brought the booklet in my back pocket and I go up to the signing table and I just go, Mr. Danzig, sir. He's like, yes. I said, all right, I know you don't <laughs> sign this normally, but would you mind signing this? And he's like, what? The, the misfits box at booklet. And he goes, yeah, all right, I'll sign it. So he takes it and he has his Sharpie and he goes, but I'm going to fuck it up first. And so he starts drawing around the, uh, the, the, the it was like a long booklet, kind of like the size of a brochure. And so he drew like uh, eye makeup and a devil lock and a couple of other things on the booklet. And then he signed it. And I, uh, this is before, obviously, they kind of got back together and they yeah, were playing yeah. Riot Fest and everything. And he just, um, I, I just said, you know, I, I know you're probably not thrilled about this or something. And he just goes, yeah, Jerry's building his own coffin. I said, well, all right, I, either way. <laughs> um, what, so. you, brought up, uh, you brought up Danzig, man. Uh, when I was a kid, I was probably, oh, God, maybe maybe about 18, 19 years old. And uh, Danzig played on New Year's Eve at fucking uh, the New Orleans Music Hall. New Orleans Music Hall. <laughs> yeah, so we went to see this show, right? And uh, Yeah. I actually, I had a Misfits shirt on at the time, and some I tore, I took my Misfits shirt off, and somebody lit it on fire and threw it in the rafters. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, yeah. Wait, dude, it was a wild fucking show. So anyway, so we're outside at the end of the show, but we're waiting for like our parents or somebody to pick us. I think it was my mom or whatever <laughs> picking us up outside. You know, we're just chilling outside. Well, the tour bus is sitting right there, so we're sitting there. Everybody's pretty much gone. The door opens up and it's fucking Danzig sitting in the damn driver's seat. And he's he's sitting there and I'm like, I was like, dude, I can't miss this opportunity. So I walked up to the thing. I said, dude, would you mind signing this for me? I gave him my ticket stub and he goes, yeah, man, no problem. You know, you enjoyed the show. I said, yeah, I did. Except for a lot for my T-shirt. He started laughing and I was like, yeah, you know, shit happens, man. He signed my ticket stub. He signed my other two friends ticket stubs and, and, and we went on about a business. So many people who think this this dude is an asshole. He's never been anything but nice to me, and I don't know, you know. I, now he uh, he has his, you know, he has his moods. I've, I've yeah. talked to him. Other than that, and I know, <clears throat> I know uh, a few different people that have worked with Glenn and talked to him. I have Hart Fisher from Boneyard Press and who the uh, American Horrors Channel. Yeah, uh, Hart and I were talking off and on for a few years after we did an interview at Mania and Hart works with Glenn and has like premiered some of his videos on his channel and stuff like that. They were actually demonstrably historically friends and work together and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, he's like, Glenn's like anybody else. And I think he also gets an undue amount of scrutiny because he's kind of been memeified, unfortunately, by the yeah. internet, the internet being the giant, crowdfunded swamp monster that it is you know if it if it wants you it will come for you and oh yeah you know i kind of i kind of feel bad for him because i've been a huge fan for years and years and years that being said when i interviewed him you know and, and, and i've written about this before so it's not like this big secret but he was um let's say disagreeable would be the the, <laughs> the easiest way to put well he wasn't you know he didn't like call me names or right anything, right but he he sort of did we started to talk about something in history that he'd written about. And I just said, like, actually, that's not true. Cause if you read this <laughs> other book, you can see where that's kind of been debunked and he really just wasn't having it. Yeah. Like, 
Or <laughs> if you if you had been kind of in an academic setting, somebody would have either said, "Well, no, actually, I have a third source that confirms it," and uh, or you know, we can agree to disagree. Let's move on. But he kind of like wouldn't let it go for a minute. Like he couldn't deal with not being like just agreed with or kind of like you know and i and i told him i said you're one of my heroes and i hate to disagree with you but that that thing you just mentioned is not correct and um kurt was like you full of shit bitch stop it those were not the words words i used um but he wasn't he wasn't really thrilled about being corrected and then at at the end of the interview he kind of brought it up again like uh, oh, you should definitely read this book that I mentioned that I knew was was inaccurate. And so it's it's okay. Like, look, it, there's this is there's a thing that the internet has introduced into society, which is there's a complete and total inability to forgive or to look past people's faults and stuff like that. And as as Bill Maher says all the time, not everything is a hanging offense, you know. So right. he was a little, you know, he was a little off putting. Well, guess what? I've been, you know, I've been salty for most of my life to a lot of people over right. and over again. I'm sure that there's there's probably some people I've met twice in my life that think I'm like the worst person they've ever met because they caught me in a bad day or they caught me with one too many drinks on me in me down lower to cater back in the day or whatever. And that's just, you know, <laughs> I hate that. And I've kind of gotten over that as I've gotten older. I go like if somebody pisses me off, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt the first the first few times and just say, hey, you know, maybe maybe it's a bad day. Maybe this is, you know, He's just tired. Who knows? You know. Yeah, man. Right. Look, you know, and I feel the same way. Um, there, there's there have been several celebrities, and I will, I will do this again. I've said this many times on this show, and I'll say it again. Uh, you can go suck a dick, Lou Ferrigno. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish you were not. I wish you were the first person to have uh, said something dude, along those lines. Dude, I, that, that dude was such an asshole. Like infamous. I, I will never. Uh, you know. Like when I and and it's it was a simple thing, dude. I just was walking up to the guy just to tell him, you know, how awesome I thought his show was. I love, you know, him being the Hulk. You know, he's a, you know, I was a kid when I used to watch him. It was really cool, you know. And uh, and all he tells me is two for forty. I'm like, what? And he said it again, two for forty. I'm like, I almost said, bitch, I ain't asking you how much your shit is. I'm giving you a compliment. But I just said, all right, whatever. And, and you're luck- not the first person yeah. to tell me that exact story yeah. that they've said something like he, he just says the book's twenty dollars, right? And then they'll continue on with you know about how the Incredible Hulk was a grandmother's favorite show in the nursing home before she died, or something. And I'll just say the, I made that last story up, by the way. I don't want to. I don't want to. Right, right. <laughs> even worse, but he'll just say the book's twenty dollars. Like he is just not interested in engaging with people no he just wants money you guys are horrible oh fuck that guy deaf i don't care he couldn't hear you yeah he couldn't hear you he was just he was that was he was just saying hey uh these are two for 20 he's a big guy he's aggressive and you guys are making fun of the handicap shame on you fuck that deaf bastard no not at all i'll say it right now i'll say it right now i am fuck him i don't care i've heard I've heard no, I, I, dude, I saw him in New York, and he was a dick too. Like somebody, <laughs> uh, so, all right, there you go. Like, it doesn't matter which state he's in; he's still an asshole. <laughs> no, some someone was like standing in line to see like CM Punk or some like current wrestler, and and like they um, they were like too close to his table, and he's just going like, Ugh, like just all exasperated and just like pushing people away from wow. his like you know, like so that they didn't get too close to touching his 
fucking 1981 8x10 with Bill Bixby or something that he was selling. <laughs> now, look, don't get me wrong. Like, like I still bought a picture. <laughs> but 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 it was You're just rewarding bad behavior well no 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 but you see it wasn't for me I, and, oh dude it's hulk of course and it, and, and it was two yeah. it was two for 40 man i wasn't it gonna was, pass that up me. so i bought yeah. one for somebody else and then i got the other one and, and i was like well fuck it dude it's signed to wayne so you know what that means my kid you can, can only say, sell it to someone else named Wayne. No, 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 no. I can give it all. See, I, that's what I, it's weird. It's like I do that with all my stuff is most of the things are signed to Wayne or to Buddy. And the reason I do that now, I make sure they sign it to that is because when I'm gone, they can all go to my kid because his name's Wayne, too. So they can be like, yeah, look, I got all these done. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right. I, uh, I read a... Uh, I think it was just part of a Twitter thread about William Shatner, who is very engaged <laughs> on Twitter. And, you Fuck know, and I, love, I love old Star Trek just like everybody else has seen every episode of the original series. I'm down. And somebody said, why do you charge $80 for your autograph? And he said, because if I would give an autograph to a guy at McDonald's or something, it would show up on eBay the next day. And so, so I just got tired of, like, contributing to the scalper market of people, like, taking, you know, Taking not not only taking up his time, but also you know sucking up goodwill and just yeah. And then he gets flipped on eBay, and I and I understand that. That's you know uh, on, on one hand you could say like, all right, that's who cares what you do with it after. On the other hand, it's like, well, okay, if there's a market value to a thing that I can generate, then I'm throwing money away by not right by not taking that like if 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 people want to pay me 20 bucks to shake my hands and i'm just giving out free handshakes every time i do that i'm throwing away 20 dollars and so um it's you know i I don't know i don't honestly seriously don't begrudge anybody that because he's kind of right it's not fair you're taking this like moment you might have had with him at like the dmv or something and then you're like how can I make a hundred dollars out of this interaction? Yeah, right. and, you know, and, and like if I ever see, although Kurt, I, oh, I will say, and I've I've told Wayne this, and I've said it on on this show before. I met Shatner, yeah, when I was in fourth grade at a World of Wheels auto show. So fucking cool, and and he uh, he had like a stack of like eight by 10 photocopies, just black and white photocopies. <laughs> and one half of the, half of the page was him. And you know, the, cause it was during the movies. So it was like him as Admiral Kirk, like in the uniform. And the other half was him as TJ hooker. Cause this was like 1985 or something. And he had like signed one, gone to Kinko's and just printed up a bunch. So it's these photocopied <laughs> signatures on. Oh him. my god! And and he's just passing them out. Uh, he's letting people take pictures, but it's like we didn't even think to bring a camera. I was there with my mom, and like and so like I just looked up at him and I was like, "Can you sign this for me?" And he just looked down at me and he smiled and he was like, "No." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what a right, douche, right. man! This was way before eBay. I'm just some <laughs> fat little ten-year-old, Cru- crushing your dreams, you little bastard. <laughs> Go eat another ice cream, you All fat right. fucker. I, I've got a, I've got a story that I'm going to tell you. But I still I'm... do love the guy, and I, as much as I, you know, reg- you know, as as much as it crushed me that I didn't get the picture, that story is pretty awesome. That is I've a pretty told awesome it story, like a dude. thousand times too. Um, so that's just as good as an autographed picture from him. I have a story that's either 
Um, it either makes somebody look like an a-hole or it's a great mic drop, depending on <laughs> how you want to look at it. So my waiter then at Galatoire's, who is named Peter, who does not work there anymore. He is at Clancy's now. Peter is a real person. Um, went <laughs> to Stan Lee during one of the Wizard Worlds because Stan Lee happened to be eating at Galatoire's. And oh, nice. Peter, thinking of me, brought a copy of Gambit, our free weekly newspaper in New Orleans, for those of you who don't know what that is. And he wanted to get Stan Lee to sign the Gambit to give it to me. Now, like, I, I think Stan Lee is great. I think he's a great talent. I have heard all of the controversies, all of the stories. I know about what happened with Jack Kirby. Overall, a lot of respect for the man. Peter and I had never right. really talked about Stan Lee one way or another, he knew I worked in right. comics, but it was just he assumed it is Stan Lee. Kurt will like. Oh, him. he's the fucking so legend. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, hundred yeah, percent. At the end, so yeah. at the end of Stan Lee's meal and waiting on him, he didn't do it during the meal. He didn't do it early on. He waited as he was leaving. He just said, "Hey, would you mind signing this copy of Gambit really quickly so I can give it to my friend?" And Stan Lee just looked at him and said, "Peter it was really nice meeting you, but I gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> would not sign a, a newspaper. Um, That's funny. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't blame the old dude. I mean, fuck. I mean, come on, he's Stan Lee. You know, I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. Well, did well, he think I, it was like the comic Gambit? No, I no, it wasn't. It was just it, Peter. It didn't have anything for him to sign that would make any sense. So it was like what he was able to grab. Oh, okay. Um, and and that's fine. And also, Stan Lee not wanting to do it is fine because yeah. if you're going to charge. Again, if you're going to charge 80 or 100 bucks for a signature, and I know Stan Lee was not broke when he died or anything like that, but dude, I mean, that's if, if I walked up and took 80 or 100 bucks out of your wallet, I don't care how rich you are, you ain't going to be happy about it. Right. So, like, you know, yeah. like the first year he came here, okay, I remember when the first year he came for Wizard World, uh, I was actually first in line to get my photo with him. Right, so like I, I, that was the only person I was getting. I think it was, uh, I think they charged me forty five bucks, right, to get a picture with him. Sure. And I was like, awesome, you know. So I was first in line. I went in there. I got my picture with him. Talked to him for a second. You know, it was really, really cool. You know, and then like the last year he was here, it was ninety five dollars for a picture and a hundred and five for his fucking autograph. I was oh like, my God. I was like, wow, dude, that's like you know, like ten years. It it fucking increased by that much you know it doubled <laughs> and like i got his autograph too but it was it was you know that the same year you know it was cheap well but, uh, okay i have one more good stan lee story this was a lot shorter i was backstage for comic palooza in houston when i was a guest uh after the cradle book came out so i was in i had uh i had uh lunch with the the uh the sean the actor that played uh alfred on gotham at the time and also well before the uh, unfortunate current controversy, I had uh, lunch with Dave Ellison from uh, from Megadeth, which um, obviously has he's kind of blown up in the press the past couple of days for something that sounds really embarrassing, and I don't want to rehash it because it's all over the place. But um, so I was coming out of the bathroom, and Stan Lee is old guy kind of sprinting on unbendable knees towards me to head towards the bathroom and almost knocked me over in the process me coming out of the door him trying to get in and you know what 
not making fun of him. We've all been there for sure. But I had to kind of <laughs> leap out of the way, like kind of, um, you know, cartoon style. I had to take a good like step and a half to the right to avoid being knocked down by him on the way to the can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, God, God love him. He is, he is well missed. And I, I don't mean to make fun of him in the least. It was just a funny story, you know? <laughs> yeah. I kind of look at the, the wall of stuff that I have autographed over here. And I'm, I was looking at, you know, there's, there's very few things that I actually have that's not signed to me. Like, um, uh, like the ones that aren't signed to me are the ones that were like, I wasn't there, you know, and somebody decided they were going to get it for me. For uh, sure. Um, like, like nice. I had a friend of mine, uh, he was at, uh, Texas Frightmare. His name is Billy Pond. He's actually the director of a movie called, uh, Circus of the Dead. And he's working on a couple other ones. Really, really good guy. And, uh, I was like, dude, you're at, you're at Fright, uh, uh, <laughs> Texas Frightmare, Frightmare Weekend. Weekend. I said, and fucking Clive Barker's there. You need to do me a favor and see about getting me an autograph. I'll I'll pay you back. You know, I don't care. I just just can you get me one? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'll see what I can do. So I didn't hear from him for a while. You know, because the weekend was over and this and that. And then and all of a sudden I get a package in the mail. I'm like, what the fuck? It's from Billy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I open it up. It's the it's an autograph of of Clive, and it's a fucking like pack of shit. Like he he sent me all this huh. stuff, dude. Like. Like, uh, he, all his, he, all his movie stuff, he sent me two DVDs of his films, all signed by his whole cast and all this really cool stuff, you know? But, um, but that like, like my, my, one of my favorite movies of all time is Hellraiser. So that's why oh, I had to, dude, I have Clive Barker's autograph. I have, um, the guy who played Frank and Larry, I can't remember his name. Um, Frank. Yeah, yeah, Uncle Frank. Yeah, I got his autograph. It, it says to Wayne, come to daddy. I love that. That was me. Oh, <laughs> it was so awesome. And then I had another another friend pick me up one uh for um 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 oh god, Doug. Uh the pinhead. Doug you know, Bradley. Yeah, yeah, Doug Bradley. He got me Doug Bradley's and it and it said uh, I was really sick and I couldn't make it. And and all Doug put was to Wayne, see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but no super cool people you know and like i was I'm just, i just was saying like uh the stuff that i see on my walls that and I'm, I'm looking at is the the people that are are gone like all the people that i have signed that are dead you know like i got um harry anderson like he's gone you know um uh uh, uh what's his uh chewbacca he's gone you know Peter Mayhew, yeah. yeah um i can't remember the dude's name who played um. Oh God, the asshole in Star Wars who got choked. What was his name? And the very the. Well, I, I remember the character. I don't remember the actor though. Yeah. Well, I mean the actor is kind of. But I got. I have his signature on a, on the thing. You know, Admiral Piet was the was the was the 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 character right, he played. Right. 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 Um. He's dead. You know. Um. I got Stan Lee, uh, Sid Haig. You know, I got all these people on my walls, and they're all gone, you know, man. Yeah, and and the Sid thing was was is heartbreaking because uh, Sid and I were both at a uh, convention, a horror convention in Biloxi. Yeah, I was there. And, Remember, we we met up there, um, and you and uh, who was it, Alicia? I think, and me. Yeah, Alicia. And, yeah. Alicia. I, I hired Alicia on as my assistant that weekend because yeah. I needed a second set of hands to man the table because they had me doing mic work and doing the interviews and everything. Yeah, it was uh, really cool. The... I wish that would come back, uh, whatever it was it was called, Fear Fet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Fear Fet. That yeah. was it. Um, yeah, they turned it into a, uh, this is pre-COVID, obviously, turned it into a film festival. Oh, okay. And 
I got well, and that was that was part of it beforehand. And uh, no shade on them or anything. It's just it's kind of normal. Like I, I got I tried to get in touch with them when they were turning to a film festival. And I said, "Do you guys need me for anything?" And I just didn't get an answer. And later, I met somebody on the staff. I was actually at the the Hard Rock in Biloxi. Just I just the bride over there for a weekend and just nice. you know smoke cigars indoors and hang out, yeah. drink, uh, yeah, dr- drink free free uh, glasses of Maker's Mark while I lost Bunny at video pop- poker. <laughs> <laughs> the um, but somebody from the staff of Fear Fed that worked it recognized me and on the phone no less when I was calling for room service, and I just said. While I've got you, like what happened? It just said, just uh, you know, they wanted to go to a film festival. They didn't really need a master of ceremonies. I said, all right, it's fine, no big deal. I just, you know, I made a couple of efforts to reach out, but um, it didn't pan out the way I had hoped. But right. also, you know, I want everything and everyone to succeed. It was, well, not everyone. There's some people <laughs> I don't want to succeed at all. That's not true. But generally, I well, know, they could succeed, you know. What's that? I said they could succeed, but you know it's a whole different word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Sid, Sid and my uh, and Alicia, who is who is uh, playing the role of my assistant that week, and we went out to dinner after after hours on Saturday, I think, and I got a chance to talk to him on Friday. I actually met him at San Diego Comic Con a few years before. And I had one of those really horrifying, embarrassing moments when you're just starting out and you don't really know any better. So this is when uh, Devil's Rejects was uh, was about to come out. It was literally like the weekend before it came out or, nice. or it was being premiered at Comic-Con. And so I'm going into the men's room and Sid Hay walks out as I'm going in. And I stop him and I'm like, hey, can I get a picture? Which... The whole thing with the bathroom and cons is well known. It's a joke that's been made a hundred times. So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, don't do that. If someone's in the Never. bathroom coming in or going out, that is not the time to ask Never. them for literally anything unless, I don't know, maybe if you're on fire or bleeding out, you can ask for assistance. I think that's permissible, but otherwise. So, I'm sitting there going to sit. I'm like, Hey, can I get a picture? And he kind of sighs. I could see him like uh, the shoulders slump, but he goes, all right. So I start trying to take a picture near the bathroom door, the men's room at the uh, San Diego convention center. And for whatever reason, I had a little digital camera. This is before smartphones and I could not get the damn thing to work. So I'm sitting there <laughs> slapping on the side of my camera, trying to get this thing to snap a picture. And like, at this point I'm actually sweating. I think, um, I, I, I want to say I did finally get the th- get the camera to go off, but needless to say, I'm sure I was probably not his favorite person that day. But then again, he was meeting a lot of people. So, flash forward like uh, five years later at Fear Fit, uh, I'm upstairs. Um, great setup, VIP all the way upstairs, second deck, and sitting next to Sid Haig on the couch and asking him about when he was on Batman with Adam West and stuff. And I said, "Nice, you know what." This is going to be really strange, but I have to say it. I have been waiting five years to apologize to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, for what? I said, uh, well, it's San Diego Comic-Con in 2005. Uh, Actually, no, it was, it was, Jesus, this would have been more like 10 years, not five years. I'm getting my... Five, yeah, I was uh, I was in college and then going to boot camp five years. Wait, nope, sorry, 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 flipping that around. Yeah, I'm fucking that up. Um, that would have been uh, Comic Con 2005, right before Katrina. 
and then yeah that would have been more like five years later for um for fear fed but um i ended up having dinner with him and with alicia and it went really well really personable easy and along with guy and we uh you know we talked like a couple times intermittently after the con but really just sort of like happy birthday how you been kind of stuff and i was always as i as i do with with anybody like that i try to respect their distance and their time and kind of stay out of their hair i have a rule don't call anybody unless you really need to call someone or talk to someone and then he died and i just went you know that like maybe that's that's not always right like maybe sometimes it's okay to just like try to be friendly reach out to people you know I mean, if I, you know, you don't want to annoy people or anything like no, that. But no, I, agree I know Alicia talked to him a few more times after that. I was like, well, what if I had just taken like five seconds to try to see if he wanted to hang out or maybe I could have, I don't know, gone out to set or something like that. But he's gone now. And I didn't do that, you know, and my my, my attempts to being at being polite and kind of uh, kind of. Uh, stabbing my uh, stabbing myself in the back, I guess. You know, yeah, whatever, but you, you really you really can't have uh, regrets for that, man. I mean, think about it like this: is is like you were doing the right thing. I mean, you don't want to be a fucking. Right. You don't want these people to think, "Oh my god, this fucking asshole's calling me." You know what I mean? Like you don't want, yeah, oh, this weird. Sure. Who is this weirdo? Why does he think? He, you know what I'm saying? Because they're famous people; they get that shit all the time, dude. They get more, like you were saying earlier, you get more people bothering you than anything. And I completely understand not to be that. person person you know what i'm saying well like the way that uh that i've realized that i've that i've negotiated to deal with it is treat yourself like you're the most important person and the biggest rock star in the universe and that they're lucky to be meeting you and fuck then yeah. <laughs> it works out so much better honestly. well i mean i mean dude look honestly everybody's lucky to meet me motherfuckers that's all there is to it you know? well i feel i feel <laughs> blessed hashtag blessed <laughs> that's gonna be that you know what that, that that should be the name of this episode hashtag blessed <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but the, uh, the thing the thing that i've learned and I, I i always tell people this is so like i literally had a plumber come over about 30 minutes before we got on <laughs> yes, before did. we got on the line here he fixed my sink he fixed my toilet no big deal he did a good job i thanked him he got paid he left. And so when somebody makes a good movie or a good graphic novel or a good novel, anything like that, knowing how people are and what they're like and how fallible we all are, I just look at it that way. I said, you did a good job on a thing that I enjoy. I look at it like yeah. if somebody fixed my car. And there, there I think, is, is especially with the internet, we've all kind of noticed there are so many occasions where somebody makes a work of art and then you find out later that they're obnoxious or unpleasant or they have, you know, according right. to the Internet, terrible opinions yeah. or whatever. And you just go, OK, look, it's best again. If you look at it like J.K. Rowling fixed your car, she <laughs> produced a thing, you liked the thing. And that's all you need to worry about. You don't need to worry about what somebody does in their private time or what they believe. Like yep. uh, the Sisters of Mercy, easily one of my favorite bands. Uh, I feel like Andrew Eldritch and I would probably not get along. Not, <laughs> not to say that, like if he didn't, if he showed up at my door, I would definitely let him in and offer him a drink. But 
uh, I, I just I've read his interviews and I feel like he would probably not like me. And so, you know, I just go, hey, he made some great records and we just leave it at that. You know, right. I mean, you just you don't want to. Uh, OK, like this, I'll put it this way. All right. Look, yeah. Um, uh, Lou Ferrigno's a complete fucking douchebag, right? But I still love the Hulk, dude. You know, I'm still going to watch that fucking TV show. I don't care yeah. that he's an asshole. It, you know, it's not my fault that he turned out to be a dick and he's fucking, um, you look, who knows? The dude, the dude's been, he's deaf and you didn't watch the show to see what kind of person he was. Exactly. He liked the show be- yeah. because he was smashing shit and he was big and green. And, and it was cool. <laughs> and it was fucking cool, yeah. right? He did a good job. Yeah. And, 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 don't, and look, I liked his cameos in the fucking, the newer movies too. He did some cool shit and some of them, they were funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you something. You're still an asshole. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, it, it just it, your quality of character just disappointed me. That's all. I'm not going to say nothing. Yeah. Well, well look, this one, I want I want to get on this before we start running off, man. I want I want I want Kirk to tell us about this this uh, movie that's uh, in the works for his uh, oh, Lord, for his yes. book, man. We uh, got yes. we got to get Speaking on that, man. Movies, yeah. Forget, forget yeah. everyone else's movies. Talk yeah, about yours. Okay, everything that I've said about being skeptical about movies and about celebrities, <laughs> uh, none of this none of this applies to uh, doesn't to count our movie. Yeah. That's right. um, mm-hmm. Everyone is involved is uh, is a miracle, and the movie is going to be great. And actors are wonderful people. <laughs> um, no, in in all seriousness, this this movie is really a bit of a minor miracle because we filmed during COVID, and so we are falling out of the uh, the SAG, you know, the Screen Actors Guild, the SAG AFRA uh, rules for a micro budget production. So it's technically a union production, and so. Very cool. That means, kids, that it is a real movie. It is not just a, a student film or anything like that. This is a real live union production. Now, we don't have distribution yet because we're editing and like recording the music and everything. So it's not done, done, done. Um, <laughs> but the, that was uh, good, dude. That was, that was excellent right there. Yeah, I'm actually going to cut uh, I'm gonna cut that part out and use that for other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Laura Duvall, it's her first feature. She's done uh, a bunch of short films and commercials before that. In back in, I want to say about 2013 or 2014, after the Cradle of Filth graphic novel came out, she wanted to make a movie out of my graphic novel from 2011, Tad Caldwell and the Monster Kid, which is the story of a uh, a boy that makes friends with an elderly science fiction writer. Uh, with some kind of cult psychic sort of X files and ET level stuff where, um, he finds out that, uh, aliens may have given us, uh, some kind of time travel powers, the ability to talk to the past. And the development of the book was, I had a notion of a guy seeing himself die on camera on television. Like what would it be like if you popped in, um, a, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, whatever you're gonna pick your poison, and then there was a snuff film of you being killed on camera. More, and, more like a VHS tape on that one, man. Yeah, it is VHS tape. I'm just trying to explain <laughs> the, the premise because, well, what I what I really wanted to do, and this is before Stranger Things came out. I hate to keep beating on that drum because, but it's it's an obvious thing that I have to say because it came out a few years before Stranger Things, and yeah. I had. Uh, a notion from Laura and I talked to a couple of other people about I, saying, I think this might work as a film. 
it's kind of an adult version of the 80s kind of kid adventure movies like Goonies and Monster Squad and E.T. It's more like the the, the R-rated version of that. And Donnie Darko kind of played with that idea. And so I just sat writing it with that idea. And I decided once I had the premise to just let the story go where it went. So some of it's really bizarre. And there are parts of it that are intentionally unexplained. And the reason for that is that um, I don't typically believe in magic or witchcraft, at least as you have a common understanding of that. But I said uh, from people I've talked to that play around with this stuff that read tea leaves and tarot and, um, you know, burn sage. I said some of it, I, I would assume is kind of inexplicable or hard to understand or could be misinterpreted. And I said, so what would it be like to play around on that world where there's clearly something supernatural or unnatural going on, but there's not even a clear explanation, not only for the characters, but not for the readers. So it asks mm-hmm. you to fill in a few gaps and that's definitely a roll of the dice of whether that's works because in the worst sense it's just not going to make sense for the reader and in the best sense there's enough kind of bridging material where they can kind of uh like we talked about like maybe it's alien magic or something like maybe it's their version of magic and so however it worked out people seem to like it it sold fine yeah. you know it's about as well for a graphic novel but i, I got a lot i of liked good, it good, yeah sure. yeah loved it I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a lot of good feedback on it. And, you know, I had moved on to other projects. I did um, I did the 69 Eyes comic books. I did Cradle of Filth. I did Dead Souls Resurrection, which was the thing that I had really, like, staked a lot of my fortunes on because the initial Dead Souls miniseries did pretty well. And so we did this reboot with better art and a longer story and more developed. We had a Dan from Cradle of Filth do the, the introduction, and then Dead Souls did not sell well it just kind of came out and then just sort of floated there which is unfortunate but um you know no no spirituality about it you but i you know the universe kind of moves in waves and by that i just mean you look for opportunities and i said the wave rising right now is tad caldwell so rather than sit there on you know the corner with a bottle of bourbon and you know sucking my thumb complaining about how dead souls resurrection didn't sell go okay well People really like Tad Caldwell. There's movement in that direction, so we should kind of follow that course rather than going with what's not working or what we we hope would work. So, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm sure I'm sure my my enemies that are still lurking around the various <laughs> uh, dark corners of uptown and the French quarters are delighted would be <laughs> delighted to hear this. But um, Tad Fuck Caldwell, yeah, what, what are they doing? What right, are they doing? Um, nothing. You know? I don't know. Uh, you could drink a lot of white Russians, my friend. Um, yeah. So what, what are their fucking creator projects that they're succeeding at? You know, like the, yeah, fuck well, anyone that. Yeah, I know. Running running a goth bar for the same fifty people, I guess, the right. rest of your life is, right. is is one thing you can do. But um, the uh, you know you know ultimately, I decided to just move forward with what was working instead of what I had hoped or expected to work, and that's fine. You know, life yeah. life is not. Life is rarely uh, how how we plan it to go. I mean, uh, so anyway, uh, Laura says she wants to make this movie, and then uh, it kind of fell off the radar. She didn't fall off the radar. She's been a friend, and I've watched her work and grow, and her work improve and grow. She, in fact, she did the like. Um, we didn't do a Kickstarter for Dead Souls Resurrection because I decided that that would be 
um, an impediment to just getting the book out is to make people like wait again. Uh, right. And that ended up kind of backfiring on me because apparently crowdfunding has become so normative for indie comics. People kind of expect it and want it. And I, I, I guess they're just kind of hooked on the anticipation and everything, but I thought I'd be doing everybody a favor by not crowdfunding it, by right. just saying, Hey, it's out order the thing. You can have it right now, not six runs from now. So uh, regardless, she finally pops up and says, no, I'm serious. This is during COVID. She says, we're doing the movie. I said, okay, for reals. She said, yeah, absolutely. I said, I'm not talking about it. We're getting the cast together. I need you to go through the script with, she said, I, I, I made some changes to the script here and there. Difference between comics and movies, no big deal. So I need you to take past the script and look at some audition videos. Tell me who you like. I said, okay, um, you know, uh, I, I'm very big on comics or comics, movies or movies, and a comic should not be um, a film pitch or a television pitch or a Netflix pitch because I'm, I'm very much a pure comics guy, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm down with that. I love it. I just, you know, I recently reread the remastered version they did of From Hell, or rather that uh, Eddie Campbell did. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think I think Alan was down with it from what I understood. They colorized it and they cleaned up a few things. They had had some mistakes in the books dealing with the geography of London and a couple of just artistic inconsistencies, normal normal stuff in a work of that length. So I read From Hell again and I loved it. And weirdly enough, the original From Hell is one of the ways that I bonded with the bride because I gave her a copy to read, like I gave her my copy to read, and she actually read it and really liked it. And I because um, English is not her first language. She actually got through it. And I mean, it's just a book. It's not like, you know, it's not freaking boot camp, but she got through that too. But she read it and she really liked it. And I was like, you actually read the whole thing. She said, yeah. I said, well, that's cool. You actually read a book I lent you, you know? Um, So now we've been married, uh, I think 17 years going on, 17 years. That's awesome. Yeah, from hell was one of the ways that it started. Um, uh, it's a horrible. That sounds like a horrible thing to say if you don't know what we're talking about. Right. But um, but I read the, uh, the the book again, and I said, you know, the movie with Johnny Depp is fine. Like I bear it no ill will. It's a, it's a perfectly fun movie, but I said this is unfilmable. Like there's this is just no way that you could make a proper movie out of this and. You know, I've also been uh, I've been going through Larry Hama's original run on G.I. Joe. Or, it's the same thing. Like I said, there's no way you could fit all of this, this sprawling, detailed soap opera narrative about what happened in Vietnam and how it kind of right. refl- the, the whole point of the comic book is how war, the effects of war continue to ripple outward like a pebble in a pond and how uh, the events of Vietnam ultimately lead to Snake Eyes' family being killed and the hard master being killed by, by Zartan. I'm spoiling like a 30 year old comic. I was now. like, you motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. Why yeah, are you putting the spoilers out there, dude? Jesus, it's only been out fucking forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the trade paperbacks are out of print now. Um, but the uh, damn it. But you know, the point <laughs> is, is that it, it, in a long comic series and some of these Vertigo series back in Vertigo, you used to do these like seventy issue masterpieces when it was like Preacher and Sandman oh, and Why the Last Man dude. and uh, Transmetropolitan. All those you you could make a movie out of them, and people have. But ultimately, it works best in the medium that originates, and so. Um, I've always been like a pure comics guy. So I told Laura, I said, you want to make this? I'm perfectly fine with you making it. I said, my rules are 
basically stick to the script. No major changes for any like weird political reasons or agenda reasons or anything like. So the story is what it is. If you want to make any like significant changes to characters and narrative, I would like to know about those in advance. And she said, "Well, for one thing, we have to set the story during Christmas." I said, "Why?" She said, "Well, we're filming during Christmas, so we film outside. People have Christmas decorations up, and we can't just ignore that." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Okay." perfectly reasonable so we rewrote parts of the script to reflect that so we just said as part of uh nathan's detachment from his mother we kind of said that they don't get a christmas tree because his dad died on christmas or around christmas in the original story his, you know the comic his dad just died and his mother is depressed and they have detached relationships so we worked it into the narrative in a way that made sense because that's what you have to do with low-budget filmmaking. You have right. to work with what you have. We can't just go remove everything in post. We are going to have some CGI stuff with the aliens. It's not going to be... Uh, it's not a bottle movie where it all takes place in one house and they just talk about all the great stuff that happened off camera. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Jason Kirkpatrick from Walking Dead and from uh, Deepwater Horizons playing Ted Caldwell... Um, Jake Very Alex cool. Williams, I think, is playing uh, Nathan and uh, Joseph Poliquin, who was in uh, Greyhound, the movie with Tom Hanks, that ended up going straight to Apple TV, is playing Wayne. And uh, Olivia Worley, her first feature film, is playing our, uh, our goth girl, Teresa. So I'm super excited. I saw a lot of the filming myself, and it, it looks amazing. She managed to pull this together on a low budget during covid um we had actually a u.s biochem came out and did our covid testing on set um every day on time no problem so and uh scott ennis who's the voice of scooby-doo plays rick who is the owner of a porn store that's awesome uh, yeah and scott recorded an original song with a video that is going to feature in the movie and because we're going for a bit of a John Carpenter vibe, it's got this kind of like country rock vibe to it. So we're nice. making more like John Carpenter's vampires or they live where you have a little bit of, um, not the Western in this case, but more like the Southern Gothic, like long road trips to North Mississippi. And, you know, <laughs> so uh, it, it ended up being again, less, less ET, less Spielberg and more John Carpenter, which I'm, I'm totally down with because, all those movies are great and john carpenter can you know have 20 bucks out of my wallet whenever he wants so <laughs> for real i agree with that statement right there yes. man you know yeah. <laughs> yeah but dude that's uh, fucking but, fantastic but, man that's yeah. so good dude i'm 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 really happy for you to be honest with you dude yeah um you, I, uh, you appreciate know that. i, I just... mean i know you've been in other properties you know uh, an older property that you wrote but dude fuck it dude that's fantastic that's great news i'm glad you know one of our buddies is actually you know got something really big coming up that's really cool yeah yeah do you have um like i know there's a there's an instagram page for the movie um do you have is there like a website where uh not yet see the progress of anything or there's an Instagram and there's a Facebook for the film. I have my own Instagram, which is just at Kurt Amaker, and I have a Facebook fan page, and my Twitter is just uh, my company, Dark Notes Press. I decided to remove myself from Twitter personally because, um, I don't know, Twitter is like staring into uh, a trash fire, and it's just... Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it absolutely, is. Absolutely the worst, and I decided it was best to just 
uh, take my name off of it and use my company name because, frankly, uh, I find social media really tedious and awful, and I only want to use it for promoting my projects. And That's all I use it uh, for. The, yeah. Well, and the sad part is just if you're an independent artist, people want constant engagement. What's well, the one thing they tell you if you have a YouTube show? You got to do it every day. You got to yep. do it twice a day. Yep. Because right. if you don't, if you don't, someone will, someone else will, somebody else that wants to have like a salty take on comics is going to do, if you do three shows, that guy's going to do four. And so I, I find all that frankly kind of exhausting because I would like to read and write and work in peace. And I don't know why everybody is so curious about my private life and about like, just like what, what, you know, brand of cigar i'm smoking or what kind it's, of bourbon i'm drinking but people expect that now. dude it's, the kind dude, of- it's because of the world we live in now buddy it's like everybody wants everybody in the world are now for a lack of words are voyeurs they all want to see the fucking train wreck they all want to yeah. see something happen they all want to know the bad stuff they don't really care about the good stuff but but what you know they want something that they can either hold on to or make fun of you know what I'm saying? And, and and it's a sad society, in my opinion, but that's where it all led to once fucking social media opened up. And, uh, it, you know, I was told the other day I should watch this fucking documentary about social media. I haven't watched it yet. It's something on Netflix about uh, it's called yeah. The Social Dilemma is what, yeah, it, what it's I've, called. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, yeah it's very, everybody said very I should good. watch it. They said it's very good. And uh it's a real eye opener about basically what what social media is 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 they're basically selling your life to other companies, and you oh, get, yeah. and you're not getting shit. It's basically that's no, all, it's it's all your, it is. It's your it's your data yeah. for yeah. sale, and I've tried to explain this to some people because some people I know that have really really fallen down the uh, the rabbit hole of social media activism where it really like it really takes them over and it's sad. You can see it's kind of, it's kind of affecting their mental health and well being. And I've tried to explain to them. I said that every time you do that, every time you go on there, what you're doing is you are giving your labor to free for a company. And I don't mean to like talk too long. I know we're running out of time, but this is, this is important. Is that you think that labor has a market rate, whatever that is, it might be a minimum wage. It's probably a little higher than that. Um, so if you think about it, every time you write, on social media what you're doing is giving your time for free to another company yeah so i had a, a friend of a friend or a social media person who's not a friend who posted some like elf or fairy art and she got this is not my friend it was somebody she followed she got roasted because someone went after her about uh lack of representation in fantasy art like i don't know if there are not <laughs> enough like elves and fairies of color no but but it all but it all serious is i don't oh. I, I don't know but that was that was the that was the crux of it and but got an elf gbt yeah something like that <laughs> elf, but this 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 person in this this woman's comment section really went to town on her for like a whole day writing very long screeds and kind of trying to take her down on Instagram and like punish her and like rip, rip up her drawing. And I said, okay, so let's think about this for a second. You can publish, anybody can publish anything they want now because of Amazon and because of lightning source and things like that. So, um, if you care that much about the issue and I'm being completely serious, if you really care about representation in fantasy art, you just spent a day, ripping somebody apart because of a drawing you didn't like. Now imagine if you had taken all of your comments, all that stuff that you wrote and put it in a template for a book and just started writing. Yep. You might've written an eighth of a book or a fourth of a book there 
with all your commentary and all your ranting and raving, hell, you could at least put it in a package and sell. I mean, I probably wouldn't buy a book like that, let's be honest, but it would be at least your labor would be yours and you were not giving it to Mark Zuckerberg, right. which is what you're doing. Someone so, will buy it. Last thing. Well, last thing. Okay, so imagine what is social media? Social media only exists and it only works because of user-contributed content. If you didn't have user content, it would all just be companies so it would be essentially reading just nothing but ads and commercials, like right. new commercials, news. Because let's be honest, like new music news sites, entertainment news sites, most of that is just commercials. That are not not just sponsored content, but it's sort of uh, curated content. Like when I read about like what Vince Neil from Motley Crue just said, like somebody released that and wants that circulated, whether it's good, bad, whatever. So. Without user input, there is no product. So what you're essentially doing is creating the product for free. You are giving them your labor, which in turn has a market value that you are giving up. So this girl could have taken her her ranting and her unhappiness, justified or not, I don't know, I didn't read it, maybe she's entirely right, and could have directed it towards a book or a magazine or an essay or something like that. They could have been, in turn, monetized and could have been hers, could have been a real product. Instead, all she did was she tore somebody a new asshole for free for Mark Zuckerberg so yeah. that they could, like, you know, scan it and gather keywords from the data and that kind of thing. Yeah. But that's also, I mean, people are going to do that instead because the other thing you said is going to take too much work. They have to actually collect it. Yeah, things they have together. to do something. They have to, like... They have to put it together. They have to put it out. They have to like be like, okay, what's the what's the theme of this book going to be? But no, I mean, people just want to do the easy thing. Oh, there's a comment thing. Fuck you. Check it out, fuckhead. You're a fucking blah, 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 blah. and it's like, mm-hmm. and and you and you're just hiding because if you saw this person in real life, you would not go up to like if if, if oh. this chick, you know like posted this art like in a gallery and this person that wrote this was walking by during like her opening he would not have gone in there and been like y'all fucking sucks you're a shit bag you're not fucking represent like because that's they just take the easy way out i completely agree with that except that that person already did like half the work which is getting started so she had in this in this example she had a theme lack of representation fantasy art okay that's not a thing that i spend a lot of time worrying about but apparently you do well that's like half the battle is getting to where you know what you want to write about and then she took the time to rant and rip apart this person and you're absolutely right that she wouldn't have done that in person but if that was like you evidently cared enough to write about it for half a day or or whatever and and we've definitely all seen this where people get into stupid twitter thread wars or wars on forums oh yeah it is the same thing you are writing writing is writing the time it takes to write and to put your thoughts down on paper whether you're doing it in the internet or doing it in microsoft word it's functionally the same thing now of course it probably needs to be edited a little bit better after if it's (laughs) not on the internet but uh to speak to your other point yeah like there are so many things i've seen in the internet where i have to go like what was it mike tyson said something like and i and i love boxing i've become a huge boxing fan my my kind of excusing myself from public life is that mike tyson said something like um social media is for people something something like 
people who have never been punched in the face or yeah. people have never experienced right. action. Like no one would say this if they understood what it was like to get punched in the face. Yeah. When I, you wouldn't say that to someone on, on the street, on the bus or like, nope. yeah. Cause there's the possibility that you'll get your fucking teeth kicked in because you don't know these people. But if you're at I, home, Oh, clickety clickety clack. There we go. Was it you. Dennis, Dennis Leary had that routine about, um, you know, um, shut the f up! You know, a revolutionary therapy by Doctor Dennis Leary, and it's like I, I look at that and I go, "Has no one ever told you? Like, no one ever just dismissed you out of hand and said, shut up, you don't matter, go away.' Like, is no one? Well, I, I guess I came from, and I, I mean, you guys are, I mean, we're all relatively the same age. You can yeah, remember right. when they could still scream at you in school, and they would just say, "Shut up and do your work," or "Shut yeah. up and do your test," or something like that. I said. If you spoke to me like that in person, we would have a fist fight. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I don't know where these people get off. Like, where does that disconnect exist? How stupid do you have to be to go like that to, or rather to not go? Maybe I shouldn't talk to another person like this. Like, maybe I shouldn't talk to anybody who's not like, I don't know. I mean, I, unless you just have the the worst sort of personal grievance against someone, like maybe if they like you know beat up your kid or something, you right? You yeah, be, it's personal. Yeah, yeah. There's there well, and that's Dude. understandable. People get angry. Like I've I've said things in anger that I deeply regret. In yeah, person. same, same here. Um, and why not? Why why not? Like you know, if again going back to this person with the fairy thing, like say it differently like if if you do honestly feel like oh wow there's not this representation be like suggest it don't be like hey fuckhead because like dude if if you if you post something and somebody's comment is like hey dick shit you're a fucking asshole then it's like you're not going to go into that open-minded like oh maybe i should take them take their thoughts into consideration because they approached me in such a way that make me want to do that but if you're well, just coming out the gate I mean, I kinda, slamming somebody in their art i kind of like being called dick shit when i say something hey dick shit all right <laughs> hey 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 vernon wayne i think that's called tone policing and i think it's uh, <laughs> um, you know but the problem the problem there is that there is a subset of people in the world that we all encounter that genuinely they don't deserve more than that there are people that you really you shouldn't engage with it's a total waste of time like if you meet a drunk at a bar and he calls you every name in the book he calls your girlfriend or wife every name in the book you don't have to engage that guy and explain why he's wrong what are you going to say you're going to use every nasty word in the book and tell him tell him what you think of him on the way out to the parking lot um and that's you know, and that's understandable. And I think that's where that comes from. There are definitely circumstances where that is understandable and even appropriate. Like you don't have to, if there's a, a drunk raving on the corner and he calls you every nasty name in the book, you don't have to stop and like go, Hey, listen, let's talk about why, <laughs> you know, right. You just, right. Right. You, 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 why you, you why are you feeling this way? Why are you feeling this way, sir? I don't understand. Yeah, what, what, what makes you think that I'm deserving of these these invectives? I just don't understand. I mean, I've literally hadn't met you until 30 seconds ago, and now apparently I am uh, a uh, piece, I don't know, of, like piece I, of dog I, shit. I, yeah, well, something like that. I don't. I, I'm trying to trying to word 
trying to word this carefully because I don't want it to be taken out of context. But did you know, Jesus so, call me an infective? What? You know, yeah. I'm not infected. Yeah. I have my shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I got vaccinated. So yes, um, but there are definitely circumstances like that where you. Like, it really isn't worth your time to engage, but I would say it mostly deals with the um, the drunk, the disorderly, and the, the what, what is it, the unhoused? Is that how, what we call them now? <laughs> um, I don't know. But the... Um, it's a bunch of pieces of shit that would have big opinions, man. That's all it is. It's a bunch of yeah, assholes well, with big that, opinions. But, uh, but I think that's, that's, that's the answer, is it like this person, like, that's what someone ripping apart someone else's art, like we're discussing would say is that they're like oh that person is just that's really all they get and i i don't agree with that at all i mean it's because especially because if you're talking about a painting the person didn't you know kill your dog or something right um so yeah i don't know it's just it, it's one of the reasons i've kind of I've, I've moved out of social media except for just posting about um about work and about pro you know any kind of projects we have exactly. coming out oh, yeah. because exactly. no, absolutely I, I do the same man it's, it's barely same. i barely same. post anything personal on on facebook or any of those those things just because of the sheer fact is i don't care enough about the social media platform you guys know yeah. me you guys know who i am and you know for sure you know 100%. and I, and of course i would share my life with you guys because you're my friends other than that I don't give a fuck about half the, you know, like I don't know half the people on my friends list. They're bandmates or people that I've I've booked in shows and stuff, and it's cool because I respect those guys for what they do. I'm not being an asshole saying I don't like them. I'm just saying like, why would I share personal stuff with people we've only been, you know, like hey, you know, how's it going? I booked your band here. Look, here's my kid dancing. You know. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think it comes from, I think of what we were talking about earlier, it's the, the inner mixing between celebrity culture and, and the personal where people, yeah. you know, kids used to say they wanted to be rock stars and rappers and movie stars. And now they, they say they want to be influencers, you know, influencers, influencers or YouTube or, you know, YouTube vloggers. YouTubers. Blows me away, man. Yeah. It blows me away. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, it's a sort of Kardashian phenomenon. And I, look, I have nothing. Look, I have nothing with respect for Kim Kardashian. Believe it or not, because I'm I think just... if you can monetize something, you have look and get rich off of it. Look, you know, good luck. She you, is. You know? I will tell you right now, all she is is a high class fucking porn star, son. She got famous for sucking a dude's dick on a videotape, and bam! Now everybody knows her business. Uh, same, same with Paris Hilton, and uh, whoever else, you know. Sucks a dick for, you know, celebrity-wise. Well, I mean, uh, Kim Kardashian had a couple of different businesses before the show. That but she wasn't keeping up. But she wasn't famous, though. Not many people knew who she was. Until yeah, she, was uh, reason she had a couple of successful businesses. She had an eBay business and a closet organizing businesses, which she made very. She did very well at it. Well, I'm not saying I'm not so. saying she's not smart and she didn't do what she did well. But I mean, she did end up sucking a man's dick on videotape, becoming famous, sure. and then now she's married to Kanye West, which is completely. I have no idea. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, but didn't you hear they're separated? Oh, whatever. Yeah. That's because, uh, just, uh, any, anybody that monetizes what they have, if they're successful at it, I say, you know, good luck and God bless. Yeah, for real. Whatever you have a talent. Whatever, if your talent is like letting people film your life while you like, I, I don't know. I just I haven't seen. I believe it or not, I've actually not watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But, you know, it's like the Osborne. Sharon Osborne was talking about bringing them back after what happened with the talk. 
it's like if that's what you do have to do to make money do and that's it. what you've got to sell is well yeah there was the whole blow up with the talk and Pierce yeah. Morgan and everything and I say look if that's what you got to sell you know all God's children got to get paid yep, everybody's got to eat everybody's got to pay the bills and I don't resent anybody for what they I mean unless you're like you know, making uh, freaking snuff films or sell. I mean, I unless you're a crack dealer or all sorts of. There's all sorts. Are you that? Are you that? Are you that guy? That's out drunk outside. That's been calling me names this whole fucking show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and who's paying you to do that? Oh, fuck that guy, <laughs> Vernon. It was Vernon. That's who it was. <laughs> Actually, Vernon and I got together. We found a, a an unhoused gentleman, a transient man, and we. <laughs> In fact, we gave him a list of things to say. I knew it. I fucking knew it, yeah. you bastards. Well, Kurt, so, man, it was awesome having you back on the show, man. Absolutely. Guys, it was a pleasure. I know it ran long. No, but, it's know. perfect, dude. It's perfect, dude. Huh? Like, look, I, I I gotta have we gotta have you back on sooner this time, dude. Let's let's make plans. I'm, I'm gonna get you a date for the next available we have, so you can come Absolutely. back on again, dude. I mean, it was fun talking. We had a good time, man, hey, and, and it was great. I can, I can only yep. I can only get a date with the bride, so you that's know, right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> to her, so. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, man, you no, want to plug uh, anything, dude? Wait. What's that? You want to plug anything, man? Let it go. Tell everybody where uh, to find your stuff again. Cat Caldwell movie coming. Um, I, I got it. I do have one thing I have to mention yeah. that I meant I couldn't find a way to work it in earlier, but uh, Cat Caldwell movie is going to be going out to uh, submission for film festivals and distributors Fuck in yeah. like August or early fall. Again, nice. the movie is still being made, Looking so I don't want to be like we don't have a release date yet, but it is. But it has been filmed. And it is being edited, and the score is being composed. Soundtrack: We've got Scott Innes from Scooby Doo doing an original song. Uh, New Orleans death rock band Death Church, Lillian Axe, nice. the uh, the nice. New Orleans metal band, contributed some tracks. And old school New Orleans goth Falling Janice. Whoa, uh, that, wow. that's awesome, dude! That's oh, gave, us, gave us a track, and uh, we got. Uh, Band T-shirts from Sixty Nine Eyes, Forty Five Grave, Black Tape for Blue oh, wow. Girl, Damn. and our good friends at Psychographics who gave us a bunch of uh, monster oh, shirts. That's that, uh, fucking cool. Yeah, we wanted the kids to have some stuff that looked realistic. We didn't want them to just have generic like right, yeah, skeleton yeah. shirts on and stuff like that. Um, so the uh, the last bit of news I have to plug is uh, I am not dead. This is <laughs> a right. shock to people because. Uh, the bride posted something about the death of the uh, the singer of Leatherstrip or a uh, member of Leatherstrip who is also named Kurt. Leatherstrip's an industrial band from Germany, and she posted something about uh, she retweeted or re or, or links of it got Facebook about Kurt dying, and this was right in the middle of <laughs> COVID pandemic. And it was so they people thought it was a, you. Um, Holy shit! She had a um. um a noticeable, but let's be honest, truncated outpouring of sympathy who people thought she was talking about me. And so I had to eventually get on and go, uh, guys, this doesn't happen every day. Uh, but the bride eventually, uh, evidently convinced people that I had died accidentally. I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. Um, <laughs> he is, people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm we still are here. I'm, we are talking to the ghost of Kurt yeah, exactly. Amaker right now. Oh, I have Kurt Amaker is coming to you from beyond the grave. They, uh, yeah, they Skyped with a they Skyped with a Ouija board. It's one of the <laughs> smart Ouija boards that's out, you know. Fucking you can, social uh, media. 
It's got it's got yeah. a Facebook button on it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that the smart Ouija board. I'm gonna keep that one. In my you need back to. Pocket. That's you need actually... to, dude. You need to. That was great. I like that. It's my idea. And you're uh... <laughs> the Instagram is Tad Caldwell and the Monster Kid. Yep, that's right. the Instagram nice. for the film. Okay. Uh, so. Again, it's uh, there's not a lot on there right this minute because they're in the boring parts. They're in the editing and composing and everything. So it's uh, the filming is done, and that's what I'm so excited to say is that like it's going to be a movie. It's going to happen. It's not a student film. Now, it may go straight to streaming, but that's like half of everything these days. I have no shame. Right, that. that's, that's fine, man. As long know, as we get to see it, I'm cool with it, bro. Hey, Mortal Mortal Kombat and Godzilla versus Kong went straight to streaming. You're damn right. So, you know, <laughs> we're we're in a, we're in mediocre company, I guess. Oh man, those <laughs> movies were those were a blast, man. I mean, they were fun. Uh, God, Godzilla versus Kong was fun. Mortal Kombat was all right, but it was just um, I don't know. There's a great Mortal Kombat animated movie called uh, something like. It's something about Scorpion, but yeah. Jeremy Adams yeah. done some work for DC Comics, wrote it, and it's actually very good unto itself, not just good for a video game movie. So, cool. uh, oh, I, I wanted to—I meant to ask you for the shirts. You said it was uh, Psychographics. I did it. Psychographics, yeah. They've Is that printed S I G H C O. S I G H C O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen, Gwen, and Brian Callahan. Yep. Right? Okay, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Out of Portland. They did some shirts uh, for me like about 10 years ago for the uh, Love and Dead comic. Oh, yeah. sick, dude. And, nice. uh, Gwen and Brian are great. are great. They run the H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft Film Festival out in Portland. Nice. And, oh, are they in Portland now? Because aren't, yeah. aren't they from here originally? Uh, they're not from here originally. Um, I don't remember where they're from, and I'm ashamed to say that, but they moved here for a long time, and they were okay. married they were they were married. They had met when they moved here, and they rented a an apartment. Or yeah, I guess you would say it was it was a like a cottage or was kind of a kind of an apartment in the French Quarter. They used to have parties all the time, and yeah, um, yeah Brian and Gwen are great friends. Uh, yeah, uh, no, they're super they're, cool. Yeah, and they're and they're both really down to earth and really. It's not just a business friends. They're like friend friends. They were pretty instrumental at helping get the Cradle of Filth book and the shirt out. They because they had a shipping facility for Psycho already, and so they really stepped up and helped out a lot during that process. And they've helped out several times since then. So uh, I haven't been nice. to Lovecraft Film Festival. I'd love to go. I uh, just haven't had a chance. Obviously, things are kind of coming back online post-COVID, thank God. So right. we'll, you know, see how that pans out. But, yes, the the very same Brian and Gwen Callahan of Cybergraphics. Right. Cool. I'm I'm glad that's who it ended up being because I would have felt like a dummy if you're like, uh, no, that's it's just P-S-Y-C-H-O. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. The other, I'm trying the other, to name drop. The crazier, the crazier version, the crazier right. psychic. <laughs> the, the actual psychos. Yeah, just uh, lunatics uh, uh, throwing feces uh, on shirts. <laughs> <laughs> or, or semen on the fucking Clarissa's face. Oh my hey. god. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know it was a military oh. shirt. I'm, I meant uh, naval. Uh, yeah, I didn't know it was a military shirt. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> again, Kurt, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Um, like Absolutely, I said, gentlemen. Yes. I, will, I will send you. I will send you a date as soon as we get off here about what our next available is, and you can get back on here with us because it was a blast. And I will make my triumphant return Hell to yeah. the metal hand of God. That's right. Yeah. Well, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, 
I was your host, Wayne. I was your co-host, Vernon. And I was your guest, Kurt. That's right. And remember, <laughs> as yeah. and remember, as always, ladies and gentlemen, to keep it, keep it, keep it, That's it. Get the fuck.